Hello, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in today and invest in your success. As, our, as the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches and consultants. We have the folks who help others build and create their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment. Explore our episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and discover how our experts help you win at the game of business and marketing. Now, we have a very exciting topic today, and our dedicated listeners who tune in every week know that sometimes in the background when we do the episodes of Business Creators Radio Show, you hear my personal assistants, my two cats running around. You'll hear their, their collar bells jangling, and they'll be playing with the vertical blinds, eating up my security deposit. Every so often, you'll hear a meow, and sometimes Stella jumps up. She's one of my cats. Stella jumps up on my lap and rubs her head up against the mic, which is kind of what she's doing right now. She's really excited about this, as am I. And the reason being is today, we have landed a major great guest for you, our listeners. And what we're going to be talking about is how to move from what's wrong to what's strong using your authentic strengths. Aside from the fact that I'm a fan of alliteration and rhyme, what's wrong to what's strong using your authentic strengths? I myself sometimes say never let a good mistake go to waste and always make sure you always make sure you download that silver lining and invest it. So we're going to be talking about some of that stuff today. And to share with us, we have Fatima Doman, who we've been chatting in the green room for the past few minutes, is going to be a very exciting, fun person for you to get to know and listen to. And just to tell you a little bit about Fatima, she's the founder and CEO of Authentic Strengths Advantage global coaching and training. She's an author and executive coach, 20 years Franklin Covey, Seven Habits Global Trainer, Coaching Practice Co-Founder. She's Columbia University Executive Coaching Program Certified, born in Angola, Africa, traveled around the world, speaks English, Portuguese, Spanish, and French. So we have a true polyglot here. She's a documentary filmmaker, and she's done workshops based on her book that have been taught around the world. Now, I'm not going to keep blabbing here about Fatima. I'm going to let Fatima tell you about Fatima here in just a second. But first of all, let's bring her on in. Welcome aboard, Fatima. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Adam. Well, the pleasure is all mine. And as our listeners are going to find out, they're really going to enjoy this as well. And as listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show know, not only am I the host, but I'm also a student. Uh, I may be conducting these interviews, I may be leading the conversation, but I'm also right with you, the listeners, in the audience. I have my notepad out, I have my pen in my hand, and I'm looking for the slight edge in my business. So we're in this together, and Fatima's going to give us some great, great, great stuff that is just going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, Before we do that, though, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a quick step back. Fatima Doman, who is this person? So we're going to get to know her a little bit. I read off her official bio and her credentials, which is great. But Fatima, if you could tell us a little bit about 
uh, what has brought you to your intersection of your brilliance and passion for what you do today? Well, first of all, you know, coming to this country at the young age of three, you know, having been a refugee from a war, right. I, I appreciate so much the opportunity to create success for myself in this country. I mean, where else on earth can people come and with their sincere desire to work hard and to better themselves, uh, create a new life for themselves? in in such a way that they can uh, become very successful if they're willing to work at it. So right. uh, I knew at a very young age that I, I had this entrepreneurial uh, spirit, and uh, it's coming to fruition with my new organization, Authentic Strengths Advantage. But um, in getting to this point, I, I worked 20 years at Franklin Covey, and I have so much deep respect for Stephen Covey and for my coworkers that I enjoyed uh, thoroughly for 20 years at Franklin Covey, the wonderful people who uh, you know, are so creative and talented there. And while I was working there, of course, you're probably aware, Stephen Covey with his groundbreaking book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, sure. you know, it sold over 15 million copies. And he really broke new ground in the business world, in the world of work, uh, by bringing this whole conversation of character to the forefront. And when I... Um, studying at Columbia University to become an executive coach, I was exposed to positive psychology and this science of character. And I, it's like bells went off, and I thought, wow, this is the next evolution. This is what's coming next. This is the next big thing. And so I really believe that, that this is the big idea for the 21st century workplace, uh, understanding character strengths and leveraging them at work. Um, so I'm so excited to be sharing some insights from my book and uh, my understanding of this new science. It's, it's based on positive psychology and the study of character in human beings. And it's not just in the workplace, of course. These many, many research studies around the world have shown that character, that understanding your character strengths and leveraging them, it allows you to be successful in your personal life and in your professional life. That's very profound, and I I just love that. We're going to speak a little bit more about your background in just a moment and how it's influenced what you're doing with the world today. But before we do that, there is a question I ask everybody who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show, and you can hear the drum roll in the background, and you know, both my cats, are, their ears just perked up because they know, they know what time it is. So here we go. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners, they write, they call, they, they send messages on social media. They tell me that they have everything they need to implement anything that anybody says they need to do to win at the game of business and marketing, except for time and money. This is what we ask every expert who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So, Fatima, how do time and money impact what you are going to share with us today? Well, I really believe that if you can leverage your character strengths at work with your team, uh, for yourself, 
individually, but also in your relationships at work with the people that you manage or your coworkers, I believe that that significantly impacts time and money. As a matter of fact, there's considerable research that shows that when we use our character strengths, we're more engaged, we're more enthusiastic, we're more energized at work, and it contributes to the bottom line. As a matter matter of fact, Harvard Business Review uh, revealed in one of their publications uh, about happiness, the happiness factor, showing that, uh, and there have been many, many publications, But um, they all conclude that when people are happier, they are more engaged at work. And the real connection is to be able to leverage their strengths, to use their strengths, to be authentic when they come to the workplace, to bring their real self to work, and to know that that real self is recognized, accepted, and valued. Um, So all of that contributes to the bottom line. That was one of the biggest problems I had in the in the workplace. Before I became a full-time entrepreneur, I worked for three different companies. One I worked for for just a little over five, or excuse me, four and a half years. And if you wanted to summarize, I mean, these, these experiences weren't all bad. In fact, there were a lot of positives. Uh, but if you wanted to summarize the biggest challenge I had, it was just that, that I was told time and time and time again to, and it was phrased different ways and it came from different angles but as i had to subordinate who i really am to the expectations of others or that my value as a human being depended on where i fell on an organizational chart and my ability to tell the truth was also assessed by whether the person who had a different viewpoint of something outranked me i mean it even went to the point uh at one juncture where I was told that if uh, if somebody who outranked me said the world was flat, not only did I have to say that they were right, but I had to apologize for believing the world was round, thinking, what the hell? And unfortunately, this stuff still goes on all the time in our supposedly enlightened workplaces. And, and you know, when I was faced with messaging like that, or you know, better yet, when I was told, you need to be politically correct, uh, which is uh, which is a concept that I absolutely reject. I only believe in being correct. I don't believe that uh, I don't believe that you can be anything other than correct in terms of being in alignment with your own brilliance, passion, integrity, and values. Like, you know, I, I wasn't really motivated to do my best. I was motivated to to stay out of the line of fire and make sure I got my paycheck so I got my entrepreneurial venture going. And when, I, when I'm called upon one of these days, hopefully, to write an autobiography, I'm not going to be writing about this in the sense of, you know, it was really tough and I'm so grateful for the experience. It's going to be more like, they're lost. That's just, yeah. <laughs> that's just me. So I thank you for bringing that up. And, uh, th- and that applies whether you're in a corporate setting, a small to medium business setting, whether it's, you know, it's just, you, you and one other person in a small entrepreneurial venture, or whether it's your virtual team where you have people who are coming in from all over the world, different viewpoints, different cultures, different pieces of your projects, and coordinating uh, people who are in different states, maybe even different provinces or countries, who will never meet in person, but you need them to work together effectively. So that's where I think a lot of what you're going to share with us today is going to be important. But Linking back to what you shared with us before, uh, Fatima, you are a polyglot. You speak four languages. And we know that uh, you mentioned to me that you were born in Angola and you came to the United States. Uh, You and your family came as refugees uh, during the colonial wars in the 1960s. 
So I know a number of people who have come to the United States as a result of conflict or revolutionary change in their homelands, have come to this country, have become United States citizens, have made huge contributions to what we are as a country, and I'm so grateful for that. But the question I ask them and the question I ask you is, do you feel that you have more of an entrepreneurial spirit because of the upbringing cultural perspective uh, that was held by you and maybe held by your parents about the United States? I absolutely do. You know, when you're starting over completely from scratch in a new country, you are so grateful. I, I, I know that I and my family are so grateful for the opportunities that this country has afforded us, and we do not take them lightly. As a matter of fact, my dad, until he passed away uh, a few years ago, uh, always had an American flag sticker on his on any vehicle that he drove, and I grew up just hearing him uh, consistently uh, express his gratefulness for his gratitude for for this country and the opportunities. And uh, it's it's just exciting to to see the limits melt away, the limits that might have been in place in your previous country, and then you get to the United States and you see those. Uh, those feelings kind of dissipate and you come to understand that if you're willing to work hard, you can achieve just about anything that you put your mind to. So, um, yes, um, it's it's definitely ingrained in me and it's prob- uh, probably as a result of having had uh, a difficult childhood and, um, you know, we were poor when we came to this country and I understood that education was really the key matter of fact, I grew up hearing my mom say, you know, she'd come home from working in the turkey plant. She was a school yeah. teacher in Angola and very well educated, but when she came to the United States, did not speak the language. So she had to work at manual labor, but she understood that she wanted her children to have a better job. So she'd come home with her hard hat on, her rubber boots, her hairnet, and feathers sticking to her, and she'd walk through the through the door, and one of the first things she would ask about was our homework. Did you do your homework? Education is what will give you a better life. She made that very clear to us right. that um, that we had to work for that. So yes, that uh, that spirit of hard work ethic and and that entrepreneurial spirit alive and well in me, thanks to my parents, and also to the difficult circumstances I think right. that I grew up in. I, 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 yeah, one thing that strikes me, and I know we have a lot to cover, so I'm going to mention this just very briefly. I think, and I've noticed this with a lot of people who come from different countries, um, whether they're coming to the United States, and in some cases a few people I know who have moved from the United States and have assimilated into another country or another culture. Uh, I've noticed a heightened appreciation for where they're at because – Number one, they chose to be there, whether the choice was forced upon them or whether they came up with the idea on their very own, but it was as a result of a choice, number one, because, I mean, your parents had a choice to come here or to fight it out or Angola or go to Mozambique or South Africa or Italy or whatever, but they chose the United States. Uh, So there was a choice there, no matter how you look at it. And if somebody's going from the United States to another country, it's because they chose to be there. So they made a conscious decision to embrace this culture, this country, this way of being, this way of doing, this way of living. And because it's something that you have chosen to own, it gives you sort of a a really heightened sense of what a beautiful, great thing it is. 
to become an American or to become whatever it is you're going to become. And, that's, and I think that's why you see, uh, just throughout history, some of your greatest people in the world, uh, some of your greatest thinkers, some of your social innovators, your business creators, like the legendary business creators, uh, are people who moved from one country to another. I've, I, I've been studying this, and I've just noticed this. Yes, it's absolutely true, and all of my family members have become citizens here in the United States, and, and it's an emotional uh, connection. I, you know, it, it brings tears to my eyes when I think of my parents um, gaining their citizenship here in the United States and how seriously they took those commitments when they raised their arm to the square and, and, and you know, made those, those pledges to this country. And yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm, and, you know, character goes hand-in-hand hand with this. You know, tapping into your character strengths to start again um, is, is really key. And I, I'm so excited to share more about this science of character with you and the listeners as well. All right. Well, let's move along here. As a career, you chose coaching and training. Again, we're talking about choice. So tell us a little bit about Franklin Covey, your experience with Franklin Covey, and the impact that Franklin Covey and your years there had on you. Well, the, the main thing that I noticed is that people were talking about really positive principles. You know, I mentioned earlier that Stephen Covey kind of really broke new ground in bringing character, this whole concept of character, into the workplace, and this concept of positivity, really, into the workplace, and treating others as you would want to be treated. So, uh, you know, his concept of win-win, and I could go on and on. So uh, in, in working in an environment like that, it's, it's very uplifting, and uh, that was that was very inspirational for me because although my family, you know, I, I, I love my family dearly um, and uh, have great sentiment, uh, you know, toward my parents, but it was a difficult childhood, you know, coming to this country with nothing and, and, and my parents working, you know, sometimes two jobs and manual labor and it's just really a challenging way to grow up and also having been through you know a violent revolution in another country it you you come you arrive a, a bit shell shocked um to your new home in the United States and so it in in living that way growing up that way i have to say that positivity was often in short supply in our home right um and so I gravitated, I gravitated to Franklin Covey and the positive principles that were being taught there. And then when I really studied positive psychology while I was at Columbia University and afterward, and I worked with the Via Institute on Character, which is the foremost organization in the world for advancing the science of character. And I've worked with them for the past five years in, in working with them and in studying positive psychology um, it's like I said earlier like bells went off it, it was like ding 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 yes. this is the new big thing for the 21st century this is a message that needs to get out to people because it's grounded in science there are hundreds of research studies around the world that have proven that people are more engaged, more energized. They give their best work when they can be valued and respected for their authentic strengths. 
you know, when when they know that people recognize their strengths and they can bring their strengths to work, and it contributes to the bottom line. For example, I mentioned er- earlier the HBR. Um, issue that it was titled The Value of Happiness, How Employee Well-Being Drives Profits. And it made this direct link to positive psychology. And, you know, one of the quotes from it was, research has proven the direct link between employee engagement, customer satisfaction, and revenue growth. So this is not just touchy-feely information that I'm sharing today. You know, the research clearly shows that when people feel like they belong, they feel that they're respected and recognized for their unique strengths and that they can use them at work, that they give their best efforts. And you mentioned earlier some of your negative early uh, work experiences where you kind of felt like a lump of clay. I mean, that's the analogy that I use when I teach these workshops. And you probably felt like this lump of clay that was going to be molded to certain specifications, right? And it, and you really wouldn't do that to a living thing. Could you imagine if you had, you know, a seedling in your hands and you were molding it to certain specifications and smashing it? You know, you'd kill the seedling. So... The point here is that people are more like seedlings in organizations, and great leaders understand that their role is to create the conditions for those people to flourish, for those people to grow and evolve in the organization so that they can contribute their best ideas, their best work. So uh, when we're talking about character strengths, we need to see people as living organizations and also to respect their uniqueness. And it's when they can be their authentic selves at work that they blossom. Right. That, that's when creativity flows. And, I mean, think of the United States. I mean, we're known for creativity. Uh, you know, we're known for great new ideas that break barriers, that, that uh, you know, bring new great products to the world. So um, it behooves us to understand character strengths, to understand the science of positive psychology and what is being proven, and to leverage that with our employees, with our coworkers, and personally and professionally as well for ourselves. Right. That's that's all very true. And I just want to – I'm just going to move on here because I know you're going to develop some of the points we go along. So exactly. when it comes to managing people, uh, personalities, value, work styles, these are the things you're juggling. But what you suggest with your book, Authentic Strengths, that's the name of the book, Authentic Strengths, great book, by the way, that you can develop a system of working through people's strengths and starting from that point, figure out how to improve communication or performance or whatever the case may be. So you start with their strengths and then go from there. So can you give me an example of how that works? Okay, sure. So first, let me break down this whole notion of character strengths. Um, there are different aspects, different strengths that that, um, that you discover when you take your free survey of strengths. And by the way, you can go to my website. Um, it's AuthenticStrengths, that's plural, dot com, AuthenticStrengths.com, the same name as the book. Right. And there's a large button there at the bottom that says, Take the Free Strengths Survey. So people take this via survey of strengths, and 
Um, it gives you your 20, if you, if you click on that you want the free report, right. it gives you a two-page report that lists your 24 character strengths in order of expression. So at the top are the strengths that you express most often. Those are your go-to strengths. And um, we call those signature strengths because it's like, you know, they have your signature on them. It's like your fingerprint on your work, right? And these are the strengths that energize you, that when you use them, you know, they just they feel so authentic to you that people say, you know, people might even comment on them. For example, people might say to you, you know what, you're such a curious person. You really love learning. Or you're very kind person or um you know you have you exhibit incredible leadership skills you know you may have been told throughout your lifetime um some of the strengths people may have observed them in you so these are typically your signature strengths and on average people have about five usually around their top five five to seven are their signature strengths their go-to strengths for example, for me, one of my signature strengths is social intelligence and gratitude. So I, I love being in relation with people. I love talking to people. I'm having so much fun on this radio show today because I felt a real connection to you as a host. And so that's, that's one of my signature strengths. Um, when we use those strengths, we're energized and we do our best work. Then, in addition to those signature strengths, we have what we call situational strengths. These are strengths that we can call on in good measure when we need to, but they're not necessarily our go-to strengths. So they're a little bit further down the list. So, for example, when I teach these workshops, you know, I show a slide of a dog climbing a tree and people laugh when they see the slide, but it's a real picture of a dog climbing a tree. And yeah. if you stop and think about it, you know, obviously dogs are not known for their tree climbing ability. But people may have seen dogs get pretty far up a tree before. Why? Because there's probably something in that tree that they want, like one of your cats, I hate to say. So, oh, I, um, I've, dealt with, <laughs> I've dealt with cats and trees before. Not mine, because yeah. mine, mine uh, don't go outside, but uh, yeah. So, the, so imagine this dog climbing a tree to try to get after one of your cats, right? The dog is using a situational strength. It's a strength that they don't normally use. This dog doesn't normally use. But when he's extremely motivated and he really needs that strength, he'll claw on that tree and try to get up it. But right. it's exhausting for that dog, right? Well, it's a similar analogy to people. For example, um, you know, one of my lower strengths is bravery. Um, you know, it's really – I don't like – altercations I don't like conflict and it's difficult for me to to interact in those type of situations but if I really need to be brave I will find that bravery within me and I will bring it forth after a, a, a confrontational experience you know and and I try to use a lot of social intelligence when you know I'm I'm in an adversarial situation, but I do find that I'm drained. So when you're yeah. using your situational strengths, you can use them 
when you need to. Many of us can. Um, and we can learn to use them more effectively when needed, but they may not be as energizing. Typically, you may feel drained afterwards. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't work on building a particular situational strength. For example, prudence for me is a little bit low down on the list. And, you know, I'm a zestful person. Zest is one of my higher strengths. So I tend to want to just jump in and get things done. Um, And sometimes I don't take a lot of time to cross all the T's and dot all the I's. But, for example, in writing my book, I had to really work on my prudence. I had to really double-check and triple-check what I was writing and working on. And in so doing, I was motivated to build that strength. And over time, I have built that strength, and that strength has actually come up for me. Um, I've raised it um, in my expression, and I've retaken the survey. And by the way, you can take the survey more than once and print off your free results more than once. So the first time I took the survey, I believe, was like in – 2008, and then I took it again in 2010, and then I took it again in 2014. I like to take the survey about every two years, and my strengths have shifted a little bit over time as I've chosen to work on building certain strengths. And typically the ones I've chosen to build, work on building, are those situational strengths that I needed for certain projects that I wanted to excel in. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you know, it's hard to believe we're already halfway through this. I mean, you're so uh you're 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 sharing so much great stuff here. Uh now uh some may call on me to rattle off some of my own character strengths. And the fact is being as introverted as I am, I just don't answer questions like that off the cuff. Uh what I would like to do is I'd like to get you to point out something that I know from seeing the book and seeing some of your teachings that's very important is you know, we've been talking about personal characteristics and personal strength. Is that the same thing as moral character? Absolutely not. Um, you know, not that there's anything wrong with moral character, but um, so, so let me just explain this concept. So traditionally character, character has been thought of, you know, in those moralistic terms. Um, but what we have done at, you know, with FIA, the science of character, they've looked at character in practical terms instead. So instead of a black and white judgment as to whether or not a person's character is good or bad, um, you know, that it, it's more descriptive. The character that you learn about, your character strengths that you learn about after taking the survey and seeing your report is more descriptive. So it's not about how we should be, but rather it it looks at the best aspects in human beings in general. So what is it that creates human nobility, you know, human goodness? Um, And what is it that causes human beings to excel? And those are the character strengths that the science of character and positive psychology is looking at. So like facial characteristics... These come together, you know, in ways that define our uniqueness. So there are 24 character strengths. And what scientists did, they studied wisdom literature from around the world. So these 24 character strengths are universal. They're expressed in varying degrees. They're found in all human beings. And 
Um, they define human goodness, you know, what's, what's best in people. And they help you to create your best life by really understanding them and using them, uh, you know, consciously and, and intentionally. They help you to create your best life. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, and I just wanted to make sure that our audience got that distinction. We're not necessarily talking about moral character the same way we're talking about personal strengths, uh, personal characteristics. Uh, not that, you know, being amoral or immoral is a good or bad thing, but it's just not the same thing. So uh, how do you know which character strengths you have? And why is it that we can say that everyone has only good character strengths? Uh, I think you mentioned that you have an evaluation that people can take. And if you could just spend maybe 30 seconds telling us a little bit more about, you know, why, right. this, uh, why this is so important. Right, so the VIA Survey of Strengths, which you can take on my website, AuthenticStrengths.com. Right. Just click on the button to take the free survey. Um, so it only takes about 15 minutes to take it online. And um, there are all these questions that really get to the root of, your, of the strengths that you tend to use most frequently. And um, it's very scientific. It's research-based. And um, people in over 190 countries have taken this survey, uh, and over 3 million people worldwide have taken the survey. And so you will get a list of these 24 character strengths ranked in order um, based on your responses to the survey, and it will show you how, how much you express these strengths. Um, and I think it's very important to point this out, no one strength on the list of 24 character strengths is more important than the other. Very important to point that out. We need all of these strengths. Um, so there are you know, many strengths uh, uh, on the list. There are 24 strengths, and they fall into wisdom categories, into virtue categories. And the virtue categories, there are six virtue categories. So there are wisdom strengths. There are courage strengths. There are strengths of humanity. There are strengths of justice. There are strengths of temperance and strengths of transcendence. So, for example, under wisdom, the strengths that fall under wisdom are creativity, curiosity, judgment, love of learning, perspective. And then the strength, the courage category, um, are bravery, perseverance, honesty, zest. And then under the humanity category, we have love, kindness, social intelligence. And then the justice category, we have teamwork, fairness, leadership. And then, of course, temperance, we see forgiveness, humility, prudence, self-regulation. And then finally, under the transcendence category, we have appreciation of beauty and excellence, gratitude, hope, humor, spirituality. So obviously, one of these strengths is not more important than the other. Uh, for all of us to contribute to the good life for ourselves and for other human beings, our coworkers, you know, uh, and, and our relationships, we need all of these strengths represented. So, so we all have different, unique strengths uh, profiles, and you'll right. find yours out when you take your survey online. And 
based on that unique strengths profile, you have something very unique to offer in any work setting or in any relationship and also to yourself. And that's what my book is about. It's about focusing on what's strong in ourselves and in others, learning to appreciate what's strong in others. And that's something that we ought to talk about as well, uh, strengths collisions. Um, you know, because we don't always get along with other people. Why? Sometimes we collide. Sometimes our, sometimes our strengths collide with their strengths. But guess what? We can learn to create strengths collaboration at work yeah. in our relationships as a whole. And that's, that's a really key understanding as well that, um, that I believe we're going to talk about um, if time permits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, what I'd like to do now is I'd like to move this over to management because some of our listeners are department heads. A lot of them are the CEO and the leader of their organization. And whether they're managing employees or contractors or virtual people or some people that fall into more than one of those above categories, management and leadership are so important. So uh, let's stick with corporate because that's kind of where we are. And I think most things cross-apply anyway. Uh, give me an example of this authentic strengths coaching that you do in a corporate setting. Like, for instance, who have you fixed? Right. So I'll, I'll give you an example. So I coached a VP of sales, and um, we'll call him Jeff. Okay. okay. And, of course, I change in my book I, to protect anonymity. I change all distinguishing factors, you know, to, uh, to do that. But um, we'll call him Jeff. And so Jeff uh, was on the verge of being fired. Actually, the CEO had called me and said, you know, this is a lot ditch effort to save my high-performing VP of sales, but, um, the, you know, this person's been written up, formal complaints have been filed against this person, against Jeff, and um, Jeff has been um, written up for bullying, for using, uh, you know, uh, demeaning language with coworkers and subordinates and, um, and has really damaged relationships at work. Um, so normally I wouldn't take an assignment like this because it's almost like you're being set up for failure as a coach. But I really was so excited to use these strengths coaching principles. And, you know, I was writing my book, and, and I thought, you know what, this will probably be one of the biggest tests of whether or not this stuff works, right? Because right. Um, this, you know, this person is, is on their way out the door, um, so the first time I met with Jeff, I asked Jeff to fill out, you know, to do take the, the VIA survey of strengths. And you know what? I was actually surprised with some of the results. Jeff and I sat down together, and lo and behold, the top strength for Jeff was love. And I said, tell me about that strength. You know, I mean, obviously everything was out on the table. Jeff knew that people had complained. Jeff knew that, and that Jeff's li uh, job was on the line. Um, and Jeff said, "Well, I do have great love for this company that I helped build. I do have great love for my family and the people that are close to me. I mean, that was one of Jeff's top strengths." 
And so then we started the discussion, the coaching discussion on how can you still use that top strength and other of your top strengths. By the way, the other top strengths that Jeff had didn't surprise me. Bravery was one of Jeff's top, top strengths. So brave, Jeff was very brave in expressing how he felt when people made mistakes and cost the company money, right? <laughs> and and then teamwork was low on the um, hadn't really built that strength of teamwork, and so, social intelligence was a little low down the list also. Jeff didn't really stop to think how Jeff's comments were landing on people, how Jeff's treatment of people was you know, impacting them. So the first thing we did was to, to build on Jeff's, biggest strengths so we you know just top strengths so uh, we had uh, love and bravery right Um, so Jeff started reframing his love for the company and extending it extending it to the very people he had offended right? right and started using that top strength and then also bravery Jeff saw it as you know what I'm gonna be brave in allowing them to give me feedback, so Jeff took a couple of uh, used a couple of feedback uh, in, inventories with uh, the employees, and they gave Jeff very specific feedback on how they were feeling. And I mean, it took a lot of bravery to listen to that, right? Yeah. But it opened up the communication, and people thought, "Wow." Jeff is open to change. Jeff is actually asking for our feedback. And then based on that feedback, Jeff was so brave, used bravery again, in sending a personalized message to each person or sitting down with them if it was feasible and talking through, hey, these are my strengths and these are my opportunities for improvement. I'm going to build these other strengths as well. I'm going to really work on teamwork. I'm going to really work on how I communicate with people. And I'm going to give you time. I'm going to give you a few months to assess whether or not I'm sincere. And I, I'm just going to put in the work. You know, this, is, this takes a lot of bravery. I'm going to put in the work over a few months, and then I'm going to ask you to assess me again. And you know what happened? The first assessment, most of the responses came back in the 20 to 30 percentile, very low. Right. And a few months later, they were all in the 70s, some in the 80s. So that's a dramatic improvement. And Jeff did stay on and continued to be an extremely high producer and actually um, continued to excel in the organization. So um, it was a dramatic testament to me that these strengths really work. And, and of course, I use uh, the strengths uh, survey in all of my executive and work engagements as a coach. And But this was, you know, a dramatic example of change um, that uh, I was actually not surprised to see because I, I have seen the power of focusing on strengths in my own life and in other people I've coached. You know, I have to go off script here a little bit. Uh, one thing I can say about you, Fatima, is you're one of the most prepared guests we've ever had on the Business Creators Radio Show. And this means we may or may not get a chance to get through everything here, but I really want to just bring something out here. And this has been part of my own 
personal evolution as I've grown as a man and as a businessman, uh, both personally and professionally, is that you know we 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 want to look at things generically, black and white. Uh, and maybe we were taught as children that there are good people in the world and there are bad people in the world. Uh, my own experiences in life, combined with the things that I've been passionate about, I love to study history. Uh, I have a particular focus on uh, some of the individuals, some of the people who shape history and the forces that shape them. I read a lot of biographies and autobiographies. And what I've discovered is that, I mean, I've read books about people who are classified as truly great and some who are thought of as some of the most evil, despicable people in history. And when you actually get to know them, you find out that they're not all good or all bad. Right. It's, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that quite interesting? And, and the, you know, you know the, the mind screw that I put on people sometimes is you may think there's this person from history. I'm not going to mention any names, but think of somebody who, uh, if I said, who is the most evil person who ever lived? And you name that person, whether it was some leader of a country or whether it was a serial killer or whatever. And I asked them to think about, well, you know, they had sad days and happy days. They, uh, they occasionally had stomach aches. They got in fights with their significant others. Uh, they went to parties and had a great time. They went into social settings and felt left out. Uh, they had pets. They had friends. Uh, they had some of the same annoyances about the trivial stuff that annoys all human beings. And... When it comes down to it, uh, if they had children, you have to realize that somebody slept with them. They had sex. Uh, you have to also realize that if they ate, the food also came out. They did all the same things that other human beings did. And it gives you kind of a different perspective on them. Right, it does. And, you know, I really believe that all human beings have goodness within them. And maybe it just hasn't been excavated yet for some. Um, but, you know, they probably did experience, you know, even, you know, when you talk about conjure up the, the people that you think of as the most evil people throughout history, you know, um, and we all have the images that come up in our minds. But they probably did feel love for the people close to them. They probably did exhibit character strengths to some degree in their lives. Now, um, could they stand to build their character? Absolutely. Um, and can any human being learn these character strengths and build them throughout their lifetime? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, one of the concepts that I write about in my book is this whole notion of neuroplasticity. And we know that even as we age, it's never too late to change our thinking patterns, to focus more on, the, on what's positive, on what's strong in our lives rather than what's wrong and weak. And um, so we, we, can, we can reshape our brains literally. And I talk about all of these research studies that have shown that people have been able to do just that. So we really shouldn't give up on ourselves and our potential for growth, our potential, our potential for evolution, um, because it, it is there in all of us. And, and that's a very inspiring and elevating thought, I think. And that's one of the things that really drew me to positive psychology. For example, in my home growing up, I, you know, I mentioned that things were tough, um, you know, coming to this country as a refugee and, and 
having felt shell-shocked from that experience. And, you know, some of the euphemisms that I grew up with hearing uh, as as a small girl were things like, ai que miseria, which in Portuguese means, oh, what misery. Right. You know, those were common to my ears in my home. And I craved more positive language wrong with my parents or that they were bad people, but they had been through some really tremendous, challenging experiences. And I was only three when I came to this country. So, you know, I, I, I noticed through them, through their language, that um, things were tough. Um, and I absorbed a lot of that, but I wanted to change that. I really gravitated towards things that were positive because I felt this need to balance um, you know, the, the, the challenges of my childhood with positivity. And that's why I was so drawn to positive psychology. And I think that that has a message. My experience relates to anybody's experience, really. I mean, any, any of you listeners who have had difficult circumstances in your lives, and that would probably be one of the listeners. I mean, all of us face challenges and setbacks, Right. So how can we best deal with those? And isn't it encouraging to know that the science is revealing we focus on what's right in our lives, that that area of focus will grow? For example, if I told you not to think about the, the spotted elephant in the room, the only thing your mind, mind could conjure up probably would be trying to visualize what a spotted elephant would look like, right? Yeah. Um, so what you think about grows. So why not put the focus, in, rather than putting it on everything that's going wrong in life or the challenges that you face and the set, what about focusing instead right, what you're grateful for, what you have at your disposal to create a new and better, brighter future? Focus your time and energy there. Literally, the science shows that that will grow. And uh, there's some great information on that uh, from the science of appreciative inquiry. Um, so it's called appreciative inquiry. You, you, you ask questions about what you appreciate. You focus on what you appreciate. And that will build uh, a much more um, enticing, um, elevating, um, you know, encouraging future for you, but it's real because you will create it. If you focus on that, you will create it. Um, so read my book. I talk a lot about these concepts. There's also a concept called Feed Forward that I use with my coaching clients and that I use right. in my coaching workshops. And Feed Forward to me is so exciting because at work people are used to getting feedback. And how does it feel to get feedback? I mean, when you are told that your manager wants to talk with you and give you some feedback, you usually just want to, you know, <laughs> head, head out the door and say, you know, I, I feel a migraine coming on. I've got to go home and, today, and, right? And, so, like, honey, we need to talk. Oh, yeah, that always, that always means something. <laughs> oh, come but on. But yeah. what if instead your manager had feed-forward conversations with you? Feed-forward is so different feed, from feedback because feed-forward, you're focusing on what that employee or that person in, that you're in relationship with, right? You're, like you said, honey, we have to have a talk. Instead, you talk about what they've done great that you want to see more of. 
Can you imagine having conversations like that with your employees, with your team members? And, and you're talking about, hey, these are some areas where you've really excelled. Way to go. You know, how can we clear the path for you? How can we create opportunities for you to do more of this? Uh, you know, that's a, an entirely different conversation. And those are the types of conversations that I have in my coaching uh, relationships with my clients. And I encourage anyone who's in relationship with others. As a matter of fact, in the book, I share a work example of a feed-forward And I also share an example of a husband and wife that used a feed-forward approach and how it's so different back approach. Hey, we have to have a talk. Yeah. You know? I I, I know. It's it's about the the framing. And one of my other discoveries, we have uh, just a few minutes left here, and I know we went a little bit off script, but I think there's something that I really want to make sure we hear. When we, when we think about what the title of today's episode was, or is rather, and uh, you know everything we're looking at in terms of personality traits and character traits, and getting back to this theme of moving from what's wrong to what's strong. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I had some mixed experiences working for other companies before I went into entrepreneurship full-time, and, uh, and you know, I was in situations where I felt like my worth as a human being and my ability to proceed as having any competence or truthfulness at all was determined by, by my position on an org chart. And it seemed like uh, there was so much emphasis placed on you know, covering your ass and spending an hour and a half wording an email to somebody because they were one level above you. And if you got one word wrong, then it'd be like, I mean, you could literally end up with like management meetings being held because you put one word wrong in an email. It's just sickening how some of this stuff gets and it really fires me up and it reminds me why I'm in entrepreneurship and why I try to do better. So as an entrepreneur, you know, I have clients, uh, coaching clients, consulting clients. We do project management here at the Business Creators Institute, those types of things, right? And Inevitably, Fatima, this is gonna—I know this is gonna shock you—but not everything goes perfect 100% of the time. Right. Okay, you floored, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when I first got into entrepreneurship, for the first year or two, man, that would—that would just throw me for a loop. I would go into a depression. I would start begging forgiveness, and I would go back to all these, all these really, really, you know, just drag them out type behaviors that really made the situation worse. Uh, but what I've learned over the course of just experience, and because I'm an entrepreneur, because I'm the leader, I have the responsibility and the opportunity to frame these things. As I've developed, as I've developed a saying, and we remember Rahm Emanuel who said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, I say something similar, which is never, never let a good mistake go to waste. And I also say, also make sure that you get full return on investment for the value of that silver lining, which is a little wordy, but what it comes down to is, let's say something goes disastrously in a marketing campaign. Uh, uh, you know, what I'm going to immediately look at, I'm going to look at, okay, what opportunity this creates. And where I got that mind frame is, I was in a situation about 10 years ago when I was in, on the board of directors of a professional organization, and uh, let's just say there was a lot of uh, loafing going on and people not doing what they were asked, asked to do, and it was affecting our relationships with our, with our chapter sponsors. And uh, I finally went off and I said, 
look, uh, we look really bad in front of our sponsors here. You people need to start doing what you said you were going to do. And, and, this is, and, and you may even chuckle at this when you think about you know, what's going on politically right now in our country when we're doing this interview. Uh, my response was, we have people who are donating thousands of dollars to our organization that keeps us afloat. And we're not returning their phone calls. We're not giving them simple things they ask for when they promote our events on their dime. And you're worried about my tone? <laughs> you know? Right. Because, because they rebelled against me because they thought I was a little mean in a voicemail I left for somebody. Well, you know what? Boo-hoo. But as one of my mentors at the time told me, one of my coaches at the time, when I shared the situation with him and I was looking for how to reconnect this, he said, look, right now, everybody on the board's really pissed off at you, aren't they? And I said, yeah, they could lynch me or hang me or drive a stake to my heart or whatever, and they would probably oh, go wow. have a beer afterwards. He said, well, you certainly have their attention, don't they? What are you going to do with it? Right. That was a, that was a mind screw right there. It's like, whoa. I could, well, I could, I could do something big here. I could have, I could do something really positive. Right, you got their attention, and I wouldn't suggest getting people's attention that way. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but strengths collisions do happen at work. They right. do happen in our relationships, and that's something that I write about in the book. And typically, when a strengths collision happens, is when one person's top strengths collide with another person's top strength. For example, some, some common strengths collisions are things like bravery and prudence. So if you have a really brave person working on a, a product release and then a really prudent person working on that same product release, the, they'll probably drive yeah. each other crazy yes. because yes. the brave person will be saying, hey, let's get this you know, out to market yesterday, right? Yeah. And let's take these risks. And the prudent person will be saying, wait a minute, you didn't check, um, you know, you didn't run enough market analysis, you didn't run enough right. focus groups and so forth. But guess what? Here's the big aha. They need each other. Yes. They need each other. And they're more effective as a team. And so that's why I like to talk about and teach about strengths collaboration. What if on our teams, we all were able to discover one another's strengths. We shared our strengths survey re results with each other. And what if we started planning for collaboration? It's called planned synergy. What if I came to understand, oh, that's why you and I butt heads. Your, your bravery is your top strength. My top strength is prudence. And, but we need each other. And what if we understand from the outset how we need each other. And then you'd have the brave person going to the prudent person saying, hey, yes. will you double check all this and make sure that, you know, uh, we stay out of, out of trouble on this particular product yes. release? Um, so we need each other. And, and that strength collaboration, I write about it in the book under the yep. chapter called The Smart Swarm. Because we're, we're like a swarm of birds, you know, that, that flies. We want to fly in synchronicity. Right. Have right. you ever watched a, a large swarm of bird in, birds in the sky? And they're, they're beautifully flying in synchronicity one with one another, yeah. and they don't collide. Um, so how do they learn to do that? It's called strength collaboration. Yes. And we can yes. take our cues from nature. And I know that, that our time is, is coming to a, a close, but um, maybe on, on another radio show we can go more in depth into this and to how teams can work optimally together, how we can better manage people, yes. Yes. manage to strengths. There's, there's so much to discuss. 
Oh, I know there certainly is. And we are actually right at the top of the hour. So uh, Fatima Doman, thank you so much. It's been an honor and an education. And one more time, if you could just give us the URL you want us to visit. Absolutely. Go to Authentic Strengths. That's plural for strengths. AuthenticStrengths.com. And if you want to take the free survey, just uh, there's a button at the bottom of the homepage that says take the free survey yep. of strengths. And um, you will take uh, this wonderful survey that's yep. science-based um, that's created by the VIA Institute on Character. Very good, very good. And we'll make sure to do that. So Fatima Doman, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. And this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on our iTunes channel, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until 